Welcome to the Pulp Nostalgia Audiocast. This week we have The Chain, an episode of The Black Museum, starring Orson Welles. The show was produced in London and syndicated to the United States, where it aired over the Mutual Network in 1952. The stories of The Black Museum were based on real-life cases from the files of Scotland Yard. So we hope you enjoy this week's old-time radio episode. And if you're a fan of the Pulps, check out our latest release from Brick Pickle Media, Enter the Jackal, a new pulp adventure by Jonathan W. Sweet. It's already generating multiple positive reviews and is available from Amazon or other bookstores. You can also order signed copies at a discounted price directly from our website at brickpicklemedia.com. And that direct link to the book is in the show notes. And don't forget, listeners of the podcast can receive an additional discount, so you can get the book for only $10 by using code PODCAST at checkout on our website. The Pulp Nostalgia Audiocast is a Brick Pickle Media Production, copyright 2021. You can find a link to all of our books in our entire online store on our website at brickpicklemedia.com. And remember, if you like the show, please leave feedback on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And with that, on with the show. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Orson Welles, speaking from London. The Black Museum is a repository of death. Yes, here in the grim stone structure on the Thames, which houses Scotland Yard, is a warehouse of homicide, where everyday objects, a glass ashtray, a porcelain vase, an electric fan, all are touched by murder. Here's a piece of an iron chain. It's a familiar object. Might be a bar on a gravel driveway. It might rest in an emergency truck, a use in towing an automobile. It might. But in this case, it was the cause of death. Remember this, Bodsby? Hey, of course, Inspector. You knew, didn't you, we just about then closed the file on the tell killing? Yes, you told me. It's just as well there's no statute of limitations on murder. <laughs> today that chain can be seen in its place in the Black Museum. From the annals of the Criminal Investigation Department of the London Police, we bring you the dramatic stories of the crimes recorded by the objects in Scotland Yard's Gallery of Death, the Black Museum. In just a moment, you will hear The Black Museum, starring Orson Welles. Oh, oh, oh. 
the Black Museum, starring Orson Welles. Well, here we are, the Black Museum, Scotland Yard's Museum of Murder. Here lies death. Well, this is different, quite different from a graveyard. Tombstones mark only the mounds beneath which dust has returned to dust, but these white cards with the neat black lettering designate the means of death. And in every case, it's been violent. Ah, there's the chain. Chain, now what do you associate with the word, with the sound, chain? Ships and anchors, slavery, bars and prisons, maybe. Well, hardly with a young girl of 23, seated in a hard chair in the bare office of Inspector Hall at Scotland Yard. I'm sorry to ask you to repeat that statement, Miss Tomlinson. You'll understand that I find it rather hard to believe. You feel the same way, don't you, Sergeant? I do, sir. No doubt about it, I do. Well, I, I rather expected you would, Inspector. In modern times, no one believes in... in ghosts. Do you, Miss Tomlinson? Well, I didn't. Now I do. And you've no explanation for these, uh, phenomena? If I had, I wouldn't be here, Inspector. You must believe me. There, there is a ghost, and, and I'm frightened. You mean, Miss Tomlinson, there are noises in the night, and they frighten you? Noises. And the voice. My father's voice. He wants me out of the house. Well, why should he want me out when he left it to me, when we were so happy there together? Just you and your father? Mother died when I was very little. I hardly knew her. Now there's only myself. In the house, haunted. I see. Does this uh, ghost, by any chance, rattle chains? Yes. Oh, it's, it's a horrible sound. <laughs> Apparently, the good inspector had his own ideas about this ghost. In fact, after Joan Tomlinson left his office. Interested, Preston? In ghosts, <laughs> little sir. Uh, in good-looking heiresses, Sergeant. <laughs> oh, that's sir. Uh, no, sir. Uh, but it might be possible that someone else is, or in her property. Mm, perhaps. Well, uh, look into it, Preston. If we don't, the odds are the young lady will be back until we do. Let me have a report in the morning. The morning was eight hours away. As Sergeant Preston walked up the quiet street in the London suburb where each house stood alone in its own plot of ground. Even in the inadequate light from the street lamps, the sergeant could see something of well-kept lawns and trim hedges. He turned in at a concrete driveway, skirted two garages and attendant back gardens, finding his way to a screened back porch where a light showed briefly. You came, Sergeant. Thank you for the light. My torch. I didn't want you to try the wrong house. This way. I thought we'd wait in the upstairs sitting room. Whatever you think best, Mist. It's your ghost. Yes, isn't it? The stairs are this way. The Sergeant felt, rather than saw, in the darkness, that it was a large house. There seemed to be several rooms on the ground floor, and upstairs, they passed three closed doors before they entered the sitting room, which 
apparently extended the full width of the building. That's the comfortable chair. It was Father's. Thank you, miss. A drink? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, I'll smoke, if I may. Oh, yes, of course. When does he come? Midnight? Any time after I've gone to bed. Usually. Around now. They waited. Nothing. Think he'll come tonight, miss? What's that? It's starting. You'll see. It's starting. The inspector will never believe that I... Do you hear it, Sergeant? Do you? How can I help it, miss? Tony. Tony. Can you hear me? It's... It's, it's just that. It sounds so like him. Tony. I can't rest. I can't. Not with you. Alone. Alone. In the house. Oh. It's human. It's got to be. Does it, Sergeant, really? Does it have to be human? Have you ever been to a seance, Sergeant? Have you ever heard of the researches of Colin Doyle and dozens of others? Now do you believe me, Sergeant? There's something, Miss. Well, who could sound like my father? Who? Who would call me Joni? I... Oh, all right. We might as well have some lights now. He will... It won't come back until tomorrow night. I see. Only once a night? Yes. Well, don't you want to... Search the house or anything? Well, Sergeant, don't you? If this thing is human, there ought to be some trace, Sergeant. Aren't there? No, miss. Whoever, whatever it is, will be gone now. Maybe tomorrow night. Well, you'll report this to the inspector. Please. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, shouldn't you go to a hotel for a while, miss, till this is cleared up? Oh, I thought of that a week ago, Sergeant. But, well, I, I like my own room and... and... If it is my father, he won't harm me. He'd never do that. You're very certain of that, aren't you, young lady? Aren't you a bit confused? If you believe that, why worry? Why go to the police, to the yard? Why be frightened of a fatherly ghost? When the sergeant asks that. I know, I know, but I wanted someone else to hear him. I was scared. Maybe I was imagining things. I'll be all right, Sergeant. I, I expect I'm safe in my own house. And so you send the Sergeant on his way, the Sergeant who ought to have searched the house. You take him down the back stairs and out the back door, Joan. You go upstairs, alone, to your own room and start to undress. Talk to yourself, give yourself courage. Oh, stop it, Joan Tomlinson. Stop it here. There's nothing to be afraid of. You're not going crazy. You're... <gasps> the lights. What? Why? The lights are... Oh, no. 
Thought he might come back, heard you scream. Now, see here, miss, you're going straight to hospital, and I'm going straight to the inspector. I don't like the looks of this, not a bit. Or who would like the looks of it? Particularly if you didn't believe in ghosts, and of course, Inspector Hall didn't believe in ghosts. Standing beside Joan in her room at the hospital, he was quite explicit. It's a mighty corporeal ghost, miss. How do you know, Inspector? Your twisted ankle. That was no accident. A stair tread was sawn through. I understand what? ghosts have difficulty with cross-cut saws. Miss Tomlinson, do you have any next of kin? That is, anyone who might uh, benefit if anything happened to you? Hmm. Only some second cousins. We... I haven't seen them in years. Do they live in London? Why, no. Um, there was... Larry Telk. He was in in Manchester. I had a note after Father died. And um, Jerry Hennessy, he lives in Norwich. Yes, I think... And yes, of course, Ruth Carstairs. Father spoke of her. She's a schoolteacher, the oldest, a, a school in Bristol. But... Oh, but that's impossible, Inspector. None of them... None of them would uh, want you out of the way? No, of course not. I see. Then... How do you account for this, Miss Tomlinson, Sergeant? Yes, sir. Here it is. But where did you... In the cellar of your house, under some burlap bags, right near the furnace, Miss Tomlinson. The furnace with its tin ducts to the registers in the room above. Many a youngster has used these echoing ducts to imitate a ghost or to overhear what was going on in another room. As I said before, Miss Tomlinson, this is a mighty corporeal ghost. He saw through stairs. He uses hot air ducts to amplify his voice. And he carries his own sound effects. I don't like this any more than Sergeant Preston does, miss. I don't like it at all. And today, that same chain can be seen in the Black Museum. In just a moment, we will continue with The Black Museum, starring Orson Welles.
And now we continue with The Black Museum, starring Orson Welles. A piece of iron chain. The hot air ducks to carry a voice through a lonely house. No ghost, this, but someone with a plan and a motive. Inspector Hull had no illusions about ghosts, and certainly none about the danger to Joan Tomlinson. All right, Preston. Let's get to work on this. The three cousins? Right. Oh, the girl says there's no possibility. Where there's a will, Sergeant, there's a way to start someone thinking. The girl was wrong about her ghost. She can be wrong about her cousins. Get the wires out, Preston. And I want an unobtrusive guard on the house, 24 hours a day. You've got the names of those people she mentioned? Simple. Routine. Teletype messages. Advise earliest convenience. Well, the advice came so conveniently early that Inspector Hull, who sat at his desk with the three bits of yellow paper before him, remarked to Sergeant Preston. It's unbelievable, Sergeant. Coincidence, sir? Coincidence? My foot. All three dead within a few days of each other. All three filed, unsolved. Telk, July 6th. Hennessy, July 8. Carstairs, July 12. Sergeant, under no circumstances is that girl to be permitted to leave the hospital. That's an order. She's safe there. How long, Inspector? Until I get back. Back, sir? Don't look blank, Preston. Just look at these telegraph replies. I'm making a cook's tour of these three cities, Manchester, Norwich, and Bristol. Obviously, I need facts. There seem to be quite a few facts in Manchester, Norwich, and Bristol. England isn't so very large, you see, and the trains are fast. In Manchester... I understand, Bardsby, that the Telk case was in your hands. Aye, that's correct, sir. Well, how far did you get? No motive, nothing. Just this man, Telk, walking home alone on a July night, toward 11, a dark street, a carving knife in his back. That's all. A night train to Norwich. Another police headquarters, another detective... Anxious to cooperate. Here it is, Inspector. All we have on the Hennessy case. Tell me about it, Wilson. Hit and run, driver. I checked the scene myself. Hennessy was hit on the sidewalk. Looked as if some drunk had driven right up on the walk and crushed the man against the building wall. And so a pattern emerges. Two men die, quite unexpectedly, but in this case, no clues, no indication that there was purpose or motive except that a third man died quite naturally in London, and his daughter was the victim of deliberate fright, and all those involved were related to each other. Why, well, as a pattern emerges. It's continued in Bristol. All right, Appleby. Uh, what have you on the Carstairs woman? A schoolteacher, I believe she was... Um... Uh, yes, uh, retired, quiet, uh, the usual, until she took some headache remedy the night of July the 12th. Unfortunately for her, someone had put strychnine in the bottle. I know that kind of death. Nasty. Anything else? Some prints on the bottle. Not hers. She smudged them with her own when she took the bottle out of the medicine cabinet. Her landlady said she had a visitor the day before, but she usually did. Former students, all that sort of thing. Mind if I go over and see that landlady? Oh, not at all. The name is Ross. Help yourself. 
Quite a talker, that woman. It was a semi-detached villa with a vacancy sign on the door. Mrs. Ross was indeed quite a talker. Inspector Hull let her talk. At least 15 years. Oh, a wonderful woman, Inspector, sir. So many of our students come to see her, even after she retired. The kind of teacher you don't find nowadays. I know exactly what you mean, ma'am. And she was so happy that day, what with her cousin being here the day before and all. Her cousin, Mrs. Ross? Yes, I remember it clearly. She called. She was going out for a bit of cake for tea, now that her cousin, Michael Stroud, had come to see her. A new name. Another cousin. One Michael Stroud. Carefully now, Inspector. Carefully. You don't happen to know where he was from now, do you, ma'am? Oh, from London. I have the address. Found an envelope in the waste paper basket while I was clearing out the poor thing's room. Did uh, you tell this to the police? No, sir. They were so busy with their bustle and dusting everything for fingerprints, they said. Yes, 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 of course. Uh, now, Mrs. Ross, uh, may I have that address, please? That is, uh, if you still have it... A teletype message travels much faster than a train from Bristol to London. By the time the inspector reached his office, Sergeant Preston was waiting with the answer. We've been there, sir. A Michael Stroud had a flat at the address, but he's moved and left no forwarding address. Oh, uh, when did he move out? July 13, sir. The day after the Carstairs woman died. When the quarry is escaping, what do you do? Well, the least you can do is close some of the gaps in the situation. Try to develop motive and opportunity. The inspector permitted Joan Tomlinson to leave the hospital and to proceed in his company to the office of a solicitor. Now, sit down, Joan. And you, Inspector. Oh, thank you, Mr. Thomas. Thank you. I, uh, I gather something is amiss. Mr. Thomas, we have reason to believe that three people have died because of Miss Tomlinson's inheritance and that her own life is in danger. Well, that's unbelievable, sir. It usually is. However, the three who are dead are all, uh, were, all second cousins of Miss Tomlinson, her next of kin. What we are here to find out is, does the will under which she inherits her property state to whom that property devises in the event of her death? Mm, not exactly. Uh, that is, if she dies and tests it, the property under the law would pass to her next of kin in equal shares, of course. Uh, Mr. Thomas, yes? with all her second cousins dead, a third cousin would be next in line, correct? Oh, absolutely. Of course, I, I know of no such relative, sir. Unfortunately, sir, we do. His name is Michael Stroud. His whereabouts at present are unknown. <laughs> Motive, present, very definitely present. Opportunity, obvious, and seized at least three times in Manchester, Norwich, and Bristol. After the next move, the inspector outlined a plan, briefly. Miss Tomlinson, do you still believe in ghosts? Not anymore. Very well. Would you be afraid to stay in your house alone? I see. I'm to be the bit of cheese in the trap. Correct, Inspector? Absolutely correct. Very well. When do we begin? Well, they began that night. Joan left the hospital, returned to her house, to the memories, to the now silent ducts, to the still chiming clock. The first night was uneventful. Mothers followed. 
Bit by bit, Joan slipped back into her normal everyday routine, a girl in her home with a servant during the day alone at night. The ghost, the three deaths in three cities, the inspector began to take on aspects of a dream. Reality was coming home after an evening in the city, going upstairs, listening to the little clock. Preparing for sleep, indulging in the little habit of talking to herself. There's nothing to worry about. Really nothing. He's gone away. Out of the country, maybe. Oh, forget Michael Stroud, Joni. Forget the whole thing. What's that? How are you, Joan? <gasps> Feeling well? And safe? Get out. Whoever you are. That won't work, Joni. You know I'm your cousin, Michael. Come to call. But I... I never saw you before. In my life? I know, dear. And now that you have seen me, what else is there to live for? You... You couldn't get away with it. Oh, yes, I could. I can. I will. You'll be a lovely suicide, dear. Carbon monoxide from the register, from the furnace. Or maybe... Yes, maybe they'll call it accidental death. Inspector Holland, find you. No. No matter where you are. I doubt it. He wasn't around to seize me tonight, was he? And I'm very good at hiding. More. I never tie me to Cousin Larry or Cousin Jerry or Cousin... Luke. They will. They have. <laughs> They're the fingerprints. Ah, there now. That's their worry, not mine. Now sit down. In that chair. I won't. Sit down. I have it planned perfectly, John. You'll sit down, I'll tie you in that chair, shut the windows, the door, turn on the heat. You'll be gagged, too. I forgot to mention that. You'll die. No. I'll come back, put you on the bed. No! No, you won't! You can't make me! I said sit down and shut up! Oh. Take him in charge, Sergeant. We have enough. A trap! With Joan the bait! Sergeant, look out! Yes, sir! <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, thank you, sir, for getting his gun away, sir. Nicely handled, oh. Sergeant. You all right, Miss Tomlinson? Yes, I, I think so. He is a very corporeal ghost, isn't he, Inspector? Definitely. And I believe his corporeal fingerprints will match those on the handle of a very corporeal knife in Manchester, a steering wheel in Norwich, a bottle in Bristol, and a certain chain in the possession of Scotland Yard. Have you ever heard of a ghost's fingerprint? No. Neither have I. But that chain isn't ghostly. You can see it today in the Black Museum. Orson Welles will be back with you in just a moment.
Now here in person is Orson Welles. The fingerprints matched, of course. Mrs. Ross, the landlady in Bristol, identified Michael Stroud as the caller who spent some moments alone in Miss Carstairs' apartment the day before that worthy lady died. The case was clear. The defense was helpless. The case was closed at the traditional time one morning in the usual manner. And Michael Stroud at the hands of the Crown became forever an incorporeal ghost. And the chain remains in its usual place in Scotland Yard. And now until we meet next time, I tell you another story of the Black Museum. I remain as always obediently yours. Museum starring Orson Welles is presented by arrangement with Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer Radio Attractions. The program is written by Ara Marion with original music composed and conducted by Sidney Torch. Produced by Harry Allen Towers. <laughs> <laughs>